I'm I'm kind of normal, so I just use the regular stuff like normal people. Kind of normal. Know. Kind of normal. I like it. Well, Already got the show be. title. Perfect. I'm kind of normal. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what did you think? So I've not tried it yet. I'm waiting for this weekend, and I'm intentionally doing that um, okay. because I typically do not make coffee at home in the mornings. Um, and right now in the office, all we have is an espresso. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm not trying to have my first sip <laughs> be tainted. That's fair. Okay. So I am going to wake up Saturday morning, brew me a beautiful cup, no creamer, no sugar. I'm just okay. going to sip on that bad boy while I'm doing Ooh. some like studying in the morning. Yeah. And I'm, I'm going to enjoy it because I don't want to, I don't want to also feel like I have to like rush through it. You know what I mean? I do. Like a good cup of coffee, especially like that first cup on like something new, you mm-hmm. want to be able to like actually relax and enjoy it. And I'd be like, shit, I got to get to the office real quick. That's fair. That's fair. Although that, by the uh, way, I mean, that packaging is beautiful. Packaging Thank is you. beautiful. I've Thank not you. tried to open it yet. So I think they did kind of seal the shit out of it. <laughs> I would rather it as as the consumer in this situation. I would rather it be harder to open than it get there and have like literally just grounds everywhere. Right. You know. Right. So worst it's, case, I'll take a pair of scissors to it, <laughs> like you know, right above the zipper, and then we're fine. Yeah. A few folks said that they didn't care about that. They were just going to put it in another container, anyways. So honestly, I'm it kind was of that an entirely yeah. It was an entirely yeah. fruitless endeavor to have a special package there. So. <laughs> It's it's something I've been thinking about. Like I I love the packaging, but it's kind of a pain in the ass. Yeah. And if it's kind of a pain in the ass now, I don't know if I want to subject more people to it. You know what I mean? Like sure. It's it's neat, but it's not super functional. It's like it's like an Apple product that probably shouldn't have been. Yeah. I'm I'm starting to lean towards just getting a more basic bag just because of yeah. that and let the let the artwork stand out more which I have uh you got y'all can't see it but I have a uh, decaf nice okay the flying boat. I love, I love the names that you're going with. That's good. <laughs> I, I, I can't a, say the only thing I did not like about the shipping which was UPS or yeah. USPS was that it was, it was soft. It's just a bag, right? And so yeah, what, yeah. what sucks is like it's a bag within a bag, which mm-hmm. screams potential problems. Mm-hmm. So like I feel like a small box would be ideal, but obviously the shipping cost on that's going to shift a lot. Yeah, there's and that's that's part of what I'm thinking about with the packaging change. I'll, I'll let me grab what I'm looking at hither. Again, y'all can't see this, but I'm holding up a more traditional yeah coffee bag. This the old is rolling this, stick. Right. This is this is one of those more typical ones you'd find in the grocery store that have the the tin tie and the little yep. resealable thing on the top. The the good thing about this type of bag specifically that I'm holding, which is approximately six and a half to seven inches tall by three and a half inches wide by three inches thick, is that there are boxes out there that will fit this very well. Okay. And come in under one pound. Oh nice. Okay. So that's that's been the concern thus far is coming in under one pound because yeah. that affects the shipping cost. Sure. The bag that people are getting now, plus a box to fit in it, is like right at 15.9 ounces. Okay. So if there's any kind of variance in how much they put in and they're not yeah. like careful enough, it <laughs> right. can go over. And then now postage isn't enough. So when it arrives, there's postage due. If the post office is in a bad mood that day, and that's not an experience I want either. So, yeah. So, I'm definitely 
in the same boat as far as that's not a sustainable shipping yeah. option. Um, it is definitely nice and cheap, but the the box to put a bag in is maybe a quarter, okay, a piece. Like I feel like I can, I'll, I'll swallow a quarter. Yeah, um, not literally, but I'll swallow a quarter if that means that the presentation's a little bit better. Sure. So it's it's believe me, I'm 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 aware that's the <laughs> that that's how the single bags are going, and it's I mean I'm not a huge fan of it. They don't have anything small enough to bring it under one pound in the moment. So okay. I figure, you know, doing the math, uh, getting these, by the way, getting a thousand of these in all of the designs collectively costs about the same as what I'm paying now or oh, what I nice. paid okay. for the first batch of bags and labels. So my costs aren't going to change a whole hell of a lot. So, I'm, you know, there's, there's definitely a lot that I'm looking at changing up here soon. Right. A lot of things that have kind of exposed themselves to, that sounds really terrible. That um, that didn't really seem like problems initially, but mm-hmm. the more I look at it, the less I'm a fan of. So the moral of the story here is that the packaging sound looked really neat, but it's mm, more work than it's worth, shall we say. AKA, you try to get too fancy too fast. <laughs> I did. It's a little unfortunate because it's like, I, you know, I didn't want to have just a basic design, but... It's actually really common, and most people actually don't care. I was about to say, to be honest, it's still nice. Like, I don't think most people are really going to notice a difference, and I don't think anybody who didn't know that that's how your packaging was previously are going to receive that and be like, this is not as nice as I would have figured. It's like, it's all about managing expectations, right? So if that's what they see on the site, then it's like, oh, okay, cool. There would be a few people who'd order previously and would get a different packaging, but again. It's such a small amount of people, though. (laughs) Like, like relative to where you're trying to take this, like it's such a small amount of people that like, they're going to also understand. Most of the commentary I've received about the packaging has been the design, the label design itself, not the yep. actual packaging. Like hundred percent. The the packaging itself was neat, but they were more impressed by the artwork. So I figure this gives me a good opportunity to make the artwork stand out more by making it a full, a full thing, right? Rather <laughs> yeah. than just a label on the front. And I can get a nice cheap bag that gets the job done and would be good enough for most people. I mean, right. you know, generally coffee drinkers buying this quantity, if I can coax them into doing it correctly, you know, even if it's only a paltry single cup of day, cup per day, right? Yeah. This bag's not going to last more than a couple weeks. So keeping it super sealed, super perfect for a long period of time is not going to be a thing that really has to be thought about ever. So... That's kind of where I stand there. I okay. definitely am in you know in agreement with uh with, with the shipping. I was a little a little bummed out that I mean I could also get different, you know, different soft packaging that's maybe a little bit more robust, but again, if I'm spending money on shipping material, I might as well just buy a small box that yeah. fits it perfectly. And, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. be done with it. So Right. First sip of the day right here. So weird that you're mm. just now on your first sip. Uh Okay, I just got out of bed 45 minutes ago. Get out of here. <laughs> well, it's also like 11 a.m. in Boston. So. Right. It's 8.14 a.m. here, so get out of here. It's I still morning for me. I thought you wake up at like 5 a.m. or something. Crazy. No, not anymore. I, uh, I, <laughs> I, I, I did. <laughs> I did. I did. Well, I didn't really give up on it. I, I, find myself, I found myself not having enough mental space yeah. for all of my morning activities, especially with starting the, the coffee business. 
Yeah. I shelved the uh, the morning day trading because I just I didn't okay. have enough energy, mental energy to do all of it, which means I no longer had to get up at 6 a.m. And so I don't. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of going through something right now where actually I was talking to um, one of our one of our guys Finn about this this morning. I'm I'm in this cool headspace where like I truly believe that most people are limitless. Okay, um, I've seen that show. Great show. I'm surprised you've seen the show. The show is actually cool. The movie's great. The show is actually yeah, pretty I've good seen too. Both. Yeah. Um, proud of you. Um, oh, thank but, you. <laughs> that's all I is, want in life is your approval. Which which is funny because I'm literally taking what that show is based on which is kind of funny which is not nearly the same obviously because hashtag hollywood but what's funny is whenever you believe that then you realize okay well you're only going to live x number of years there's so many things you want to do there's so many things you want to learn so many things you want to accomplish and then you try to like fit it all in Mm -hmm. (laughs) so like yesterday um I like to have kind of slowish mornings. Um, so I wake up at like seven. I don't get into the office till like nine. Um, but that gives me time to like kind of wake up, take a shower, get ready, eat food. You know, I'll watch a little bit of YouTube, something kind of, you know, positive, productive, um, nothing too crazy. And then I'll kind of head out. Um, and then, you know, full day at work. And then I'll, uh, I'll go to the gym for like an hour, eat dinner. And then what I've been doing lately is either speed reading books for like two hours. Mm hmm. Or what I'm now doing starting this week uh, is going through MIT's open courseware for uh, electrical engineering and software uh, or um, computer science. Such um, a nerd. Dude, literally the entire curriculum is online for free. Every lecture is recorded. So I'm literally just starting from ground zero. I've always like I've I've always joked about being a script kitty, but I want to take that a step further because why not? So now it's like two to three hours of open courseware in the evenings. And I'm trying to add like more to my plate because like, I just, I want it. I'm so hungry right now for all the things that it's hard to bake in, but it's, it's hard to structure it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's, that's the, that's the, uh, that's the caveat there is like, I think you can manage a lot, but you really have to be explicit in how you set your days and what, you do win. And that's not always an easy thing to do if mm-hmm. we're being honest. Yeah. No, I'm I, not sure how you feel about that. Believe me, I have, I have a list that's very long of things that I would like to accomplish that are, I guess you have to, you know, consider extracurricular ancillary. Like these are all like super cool things that are either, you know, mind enriching or just really satisfying to do or something sure. I've always wanted to tackle. But like, there's a not a lot of time in every day. So in my in my case, a, a lot of it is uh, I'm going to have to punt this to next weekend. And then I'm okay. going to have to punt this to next weekend. And then six months later, it's still on my list because other things have managed to bubble the top. True. How do you how do you deal with that? I mean, you you live by yourself, right? You're a, yeah. you're a lonesome a lonesome soul, a lone wolf. <laughs> I'm lonely. <laughs> um, how do you how do you manage that? And yeah. it's, I know this isn't necessarily business, e-commerce, growth related. Fine. Um, I'll, well, it's I'll growth related on the personal side. Personal well, growth. Well, actually, yeah. it is on the business side too, right? Because if you if you make more time to learn different things about operations, marketing, that's still business, right? Like I, I've always said, if you're a founder and you're not reading books, you're missing out. 
period. This whole, like, I don't have time to read because I'm hashtag hustling is horseshit, in my opinion. What if you don't hashtag hustle? Do you still have to read? <laughs> you still have to read. <laughs> oh, um, dang. All right. Well, I'm failing. So it, it does help that my girlfriend lives in a different state right now. Um, I don't like that fact, but it's my reality, right? And yeah. so, yeah, I think being very structured, you know, we joke about me being a robot to a certain degree. Yes. I, I think understanding that when you get off or you're done working or you go from the office to home, your day is not done. A lot of people book in day done, complete. No, it's not. It's not done until you go to bed. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't do things that you enjoy, right? So like prime example, um, last night, so went to the gym, got my workout in, went home, immediately started making food, and I put something on Netflix to watch while I was eating and, and cooking. So there's my like entertainment for the day. The moment I was done eating, I shifted over to my my um, home desk, turned off the TV, and said, "Cool, we're going to do MIT lectures now. Homework. And we're going to take notes. Yeah, literally, literally doing homework basically for like no credit, <laughs> just because I want to do it. And then by the time it's like nine thirty, because I like to be in bed about nine thirty, ten o'clock, I go, "Okay, cool, did that. You know, take a shower. I'm in bed reading for another thirty minutes between you know nine nine thirty or nine thirty and ten. And then wake back up at seven, right? I, I feel like you have more time available throughout the day than you think you do. I think most people, it's a mental block. It's like, oh, well, I'm done. Like I work today. It's like, okay, but it's six. What time do you go to bed? 10? Okay, you have four <laughs> hours. Yeah. You know, even if it's one hour of reading and heck, this is why I love stuff like the whole meta learning movement of like, okay, well, can you learn how to speed read and retain, you know, comprehension? Because a lot of people, when, when I say speed read, they're like, oh, you're just skim, so you don't learn anything. It's like, no, you actually read the da- daggum book. You know, fun fact, you can do both. Okay, so you you're like, oh, well, I don't have an hour to read a day. Okay, well, double your your words per minute read. So now you can read the same amount in 30 minutes. I mean, I, I've done that. You know what I mean? So like, I think when it's approaching how you can actually do those things, right? So it's breaking down the skill set of which is involved. A lot of people don't think that. I like the whole meta idea of, okay, what's a meta skill? Like learning how to learn, right? <laughs> like it, it's dumbfounding to me that when you when you look at how people efficiently read, they don't do what's called subvocalization. So when you read, or most people read, they actually say the words. Makes sense. That's how we were all taught in school. But the problem with that is you can only read as fast as you can speak. Okay, well that's a not, that's a problem because <laughs> actually when you reduce subvocalization, you're quote unquote watching the book. You can immediately increase your reading speed between twenty five and fifty percent just doing that. And there's a bunch of other stuff you can do. And yeah, your comprehension does not go down. It actually goes up because you have to be so focused. When you're reading so slow, your mind is literally bored that it starts to focus on other things. When people are like, oh, I can't focus when I read, so how can I speed read and focus? Well, you kind of have to do both, right? It's not one or the other here. So, you know, figuring out those little kind of hacks, and I hate to call them hacks because they are impactful, right? It's not like a short-term thing. Even like the lectures, I was like, okay, well, I can watch them at one time speed. I can also watch them at 1.5 or 1.75. All my podcasts I listened to either 1.75 or two times. And initially it was like blazing fast. Now it's just normalized. It's just, I'm like, yeah, I, I hear everything. We're good. <laughs> like I'm not worried about missing anything. I'm not like, oh my God, I can't keep up. But my girlfriend hears it and she's like, how in the world are you listening to this? But to me, I'm like, no, it's just normal. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Right? So it's this whole idea of like being a top performer. It's like, well, how do you shift up how you're doing all these things? And it's uncomfortable. It's hard. But but I think you can. 
You always gave me crap for my three-hour podcast, but you listen to yours at double <laughs> speed. Like, that three-hour podcast should be 90 minutes at most. I, mean, I know. I know. You're, you took some of the wind out of that one, Dylan. You know, I, I kind of did, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> I listen to my podcast at one-time speed, yeah. and I'm a normal person. But, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I think it's easy. it's easy for me to just write off an entire chunk of day because yeah. there's not enough time in my head. Like for some stuff, like there are some things on my on my list that have a, like a long ramp up, ramp down time. Okay. So there isn't by the time I'm like up and in it and like in work mode, shall we say, there's no time left, right? So like a lot of the stuff on my list are larger, like larger things that I I mean essentially I have to figure out a way to try and like split them up a little bit more specifically. Otherwise, I'm just not going to do any of it. And then I generally do find something else to occupy my time that's probably, you know, on varying degrees of beneficial, right? I think, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with something beneficial being just downtime that's not yeah, productive like downtime or grinding, is you know? heavily underrated in my opinion, right? Because I'm not saying like do this 24-7, go ham. <laughs> it's like no, I'm not Mr. Hustle. I'm really not. Um, but I think if if it's something you want to do, if it's something you're driven to learn or accomplish, like you got the time, right? But I agree. I, I think what you're talking about is that ramp up, ramp down. That's like getting to a point where you're in a state of flow that allows you to actually work on that problem or that thing. And that does take time. That's not an easy thing to do, but that's where, you know, chunking projects or, or tasks become clutch, right? So instead of like, so I could say, I want to write a 5,000 word article. Like, yeah, I really don't want to sit down to do that. <laughs> but what I could do is be like, okay, well, Monday, I'm just going to write the outline. Tuesday, I'm probably just going to write the intro. You know, uh, Wednesday, I might write three pages, just three, right? But by the time the week is done, I've written a 5,000 word article. But I'm not going to do. I'm not going to have the expectation that I'm just going to sit down and do that. <laughs> like, that's rarely going to happen, right? Um, because heck, it might take me eight total hours to really do that. Okay, well, I'm not going to sit down for eight hours straight writing a freaking article. Sorry, <laughs> the people that do that, like uh, like Ben Thompson, for example, who write yeah. massive pieces every single day of the week. Yes, like, dear God Almighty, I wish I had that. But kind that's of their full time job, basically, too. You even know what I mean? Was, like, even if if someone was like, "I'm going to pay you for this every single day," it'd be like, mm, "No," <laughs> you know, <laughs> right. like it's sure. still like depending on how often you're doing it, you really like you have to, yeah. Like it has to be intentional, I think, to some regard. But anyways, I'm I'm sidetracking you. Please continue. That, that's good. I think it was a good sidetrack. But so so for the things that you're kind of punting too frequently, look to reverse engineer the task itself because maybe you're you're seeing one task, but that's a big task, right? The weight of it's very heavy. So split that one task into five subtasks. And really, this is like getting things done. The whole GTD methodology. If if realistically to accomplish something. It includes multiple tasks. That's a project. So a lot of people go, oh, I have a task. I'm like, no, dude, that's a project. That's going to take you two weeks to do. And you think it's just, I sit down and write like some, right? So same example, people would create a task, write 5,000 word article. No, that's a project because it's a collection of tasks that lead to that out, that desired outcome, right? So you create a project. And so I like, I used to do this as like my, my default, like um, task manager. So I would create a project that would be, write 5,000 word tasks within that project. I would have tasks that would be create outline, do research, write intro, write body, write conclusion, do edits, publish. Cause think about it. That's a, writing a blog post is realistically like anywhere between six to like nine steps. 
depending on how you approach it and how serious you are about it. Okay, that's a project. So every article now becomes a project. So when you when you split it and break it down, it's easier to be like, oh yeah, all I need to do today is write the outline. <laughs> that might take you 15 minutes, right? And guess what? You checked it off, done. You might be you know 25% uh, of the way to completing that project now. Awesome. So I think it's about perspective. I, I think that's the biggest part, right? It's like how you're approaching those things. Because listen, if you go to MIT OpenCourseWare and you look at the software engineering stuff, like the, 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 the course outline, dude, that thing scrolls on my monitor and that is daunting, but I could look at that and be like, it's going to take me probably two years to get through that. So eh, why start? Or I can be like, cool. Course one is introduction or introduction to uh, programming in Python. Great. You know what I can do? Cause I have two hours. I can probably watch three lectures and take a decent amount of notes. Cool. So now we're learning about basic algorithms, data structures. Awesome. But guess what I get to do tonight? Probably have another two hours, learn another three lectures. Now I'm six lectures in on course one. Well, course one's really only like 12 lectures in total. If I really wanted to be crazy, I could spend a little bit more time this weekend and I could probably do a course, a whole like semester long course in one week. If I wanted to, right? I don't have to, but you can make it work, right? But but there is a balance. And I think everybody has a breaking point of like how much you can take on. That's what I'm trying to find. It's like, how much can I realistically take on and still do well? Because that, that's the thing. It's like the people that like, oh, I have so much going on. I'm like, but are you, are you doing well? And are you performing at all of them? If the answer is no, then you need to start pulling back. Because what's the point? But it, I don't know, if, you, if, if you can find that optimal balance of high performance and quantity of things you want to accomplish. Again, this really subjectively boils down to what you want to accomplish. I think that's a pretty cool place to live in. It gets me kind of pumped. You know what I mean? Like that's where you start to feel limitless. It's like, cool. I want to learn mechanical engineering. Okay. Well, I'll go to MIT's open course where I'll just start going through that. <laughs> and by the end of it, I'll probably know some mechanical engineering. Shit. Okay. You won't be mechanically engineering anything anytime soon, but at least you'll know some stuff. <laughs> and that's exactly. all that matters, right? Yeah. But, but it's cool to, to have that idea of like, I want to learn X or I want to be Y. Cool, go get it. So I, I, I tell people all the time, Einstein said every problem is one of two types of problems. It's either a physics problem or a knowledge problem. Most of the things we're like normal people are trying to accomplish are not physics problems, right? I'm not trying to push my hand through a wall here. I'm not trying to like, you know, further quantum computing research here. Not trying to do that right now, right? <laughs> so, okay, so it's a knowledge problem. Gee, I wonder where knowledge exists. Probably in podcasts, probably in books, probably on websites on the internet, um, probably in other humans. Not on this podcast, <laughs> I'll tell you what. You know, so, but, it, but it's cool because you now get to go reverse engineer the person you want to become and the thing you want to know. And it's probably free. That's crazy. Or cheap. I mean, books are not really as cheap as they should be in my opinion, but you know, you got to make money, you got to pay them bills. How much should a book cost? Though? I don't know, man. I just, I hate seeing books that are like 80 bucks. You're like, what? <laughs> like, what do you mean, dude? That's like a $15 book. The, the specialized material textbook market is kind astounding. Of a yeah, absolutely astounding. <laughs> and by kind of, I mean, really, oh my God. No, I, if you're going to get textbooks, I tell you from, I don't, I don't remember if you'd ever said, if you did. If you ever sold, started selling books on Amazon, I attempted and I immediately hated it. The the thrift stores, if you want really oh, yeah. cheap textbooks, they might not be current, but 
it's five dollars, son. <laughs> it might not be the eighth edition, but it's the fifth. Not that much has really changed. So, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. No, an edition could be just like a formatting change, and now they're just like we know, need to make more money. We can't justify um, uh, charging eight hundred bucks a book for this one. <laughs> We chart. We changed the the font size on three of these pages by one half point. Here, another hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So that's that's kind of my that that's my rant. That's my uh, that's kind of where I am mentally right now. It gets me pumped, but uh, that's all right. Shift gears it's a good over. Place to be. Shift gears over because you you were texting me last night about um, selling to businesses like B two B sales, which I love. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll uh, I'll give you a little bit of backstory how this came came to be in my mind, and then we can okay. kind of hammer this out here live on the air in this quality program. So I had a uh, a friend ish colleague ish acquaintance, you know, uh, purchase some coffee for me because you know he likes supporting new endeavors and he likes coffee, and so naturally, you know, they go well together. And he had mentioned that in the before times. You know, the office in which him and his colleagues worked, you know, had free and limited coffee for everybody, right? Like, that's a pretty, pretty common thing in most offices these days, I think. Yeah. yeah I don't know. Is. I've only ever worked in tech offices. So I feel like maybe my, my vision <laughs> on that's a little skewed. It's probably but, slightly skewed, if we're being honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I imagine the construction office at some, some, some joint somewhere probably doesn't have unlimited free coffee. It might be but, free, but it might not be sake, quality. <laughs> Yeah, you get what you pay for there, right? But for the sake of this argument, let's just say there was a supply that you didn't have to pay for, right? Like quality, who the company was, honestly, doesn't really matter. So one thing that, you know, they had thought about was how do you get, you know, how can you you help get your employees some of that that sweet, sweet free coffee if they're not coming to the office? And, you know, then we started talking about like bulk orders and bulk buys, you know, Distri- distributing to each of the employees individually and like what would that cost like you know as far as you know per unit and how many you'd have to buy to, for me to make it worth my time and then we kind of drifted into which that by itself is an interesting topic but we ultimately ended up drifting into the you know what does the system look like for a business that is buying coffee in large quantity just to have there in the office right we're talking 5 10 20 50 100 pounds a month Every month, just kind of auto arriving in large bulk, you know, they don't need every single little bag. It's just going to go into a machine that you push some buttons and some things happen. You know, what does that system and process look like? And one of the, the biggest pain points he had mentioned was that, at a, you know, they've, they've gone through three different companies so far, and it was complicated for each one of those. Like there was, you have to order by email and nothing was automatic and it was all done on paper. Like there was never any like, self-service portal to just go and order stuff and so i'm sitting here the wheels are turning in my head and i'm thinking man i built a self-service portal already i wonder how hard it would be to make this business friendly and i realized they don't have to do anything to make it business friendly right as long as the business is comfortable paying with a credit card all i need to do is add five pound variance to all of my SKUs. And like they would still get the same like subscription discount. I don't even have to do any special math for that. Like the computers do that part for me. Like they're literally the only thing I have to do is add that variant. And now all of a sudden I can support businesses in their larger orders, right? And it got me thinking, you know, I think I know a guy who works in an office <laughs> who who has a has a, a commercial business. I'm curious his thoughts on that 
entire process because I imagine at some point you will want to have coffee for the office, maybe beyond your Nespresso pods. Yeah. Like, what do you, what are your thoughts as somebody, as a potential buyer, you know, on the other end of that, like what, what kinds of things go through your mind as a business when you're looking to make a purchase like that? So right now we're kind of doing that. So there's only three of us here right now, but we're hiring two more in the next month or so. So that's going to change, which is going to be cool to, you know, see how this, this approach changes. But like, the way, so I'll just give you like here's what we're doing now, right? So we're just doing quick calculation. What does everybody want? And then we'll let people consume it naturally for like a week or two, then just run a quick out, right? So like these little like uh, sparkling water things, like we all love them. So we realized how many each person was drinking on average per day, how many people we have, and then just extrapolating out, okay, we want to have like two weeks worth of, of uh, supplies, so to speak, um, at any given moment. Just forecasting, right? Basic forecasting. Um and so then we just do a, a, a Costco run and literally just like load it up, which I don't want any of our team members to have to go do a Costco run. Realistically, that stuff should just be shipped to us, right? Can you always do that? Not always. Sometimes you can. Um, so yeah, right now we're doing espresso. Um, what we've been doing is still just Costco. We're getting like the massive like sample packs. Just get like ten of them. <laughs> um, but yeah, at a certain point, we're we're not going to have just the Nespresso because I actually don't like espresso straight. Um, sometimes I do, but really, I, I want I want a cup of coffee, right? And I'm okay if it's even being. And this is something to consider too: is a lot of people do like the Keurig model, right? But the cool thing about Keurig is you can get the custom little pucks that are empty, right? So I can put whatever cup I want in that thing. So now it's universal, right? I think people are getting away from having like the coffee machine, so to speak. Um, I don't think we would ever have like a coffee machine. Um, <laughs> you know, I think it's more going to be like a Keurig. I mean, cause think of it, it's, it's cheap. It works. It's easy to replace. I don't need to have like a maintenance guy come in and deal with the vendors. I'm like, no, just go to target and buy one <laughs> or heck don't go to target. Just go on target.com order one. So that's probably the route we would end up going. Um, and then in terms of picking like, you know, flavors and like what people like, you know, the options, that's where we haven't really gotten to. I did say flavors, but you know what I mean? Like very, very. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> right, right. And I think in some regard, I do like to call them flavors kind of informally because they do have different flavors. Yeah, they do. Them, right? yeah. Like a dark roast is going to taste sure. different than a medium or a light or mean, something like, like that. Blueberry sparkle, so, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. There's no no pumpkin spice anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Like that's <laughs> get out. And that's our part too, is everybody has different tastes. So that's where it gets kind of interesting. Because although, you know, your brand's very much the antithesis of Starbucks, people like Starbucks, right? We get you know, uh, listen, I as a watch guy don't care for Rolexes, but you know who love Rolexes? Freaking everybody. So I, you know, I can say all day long, I think it's, it's not that great of a brand or, you know, I think there's better brands for the money. doesn't matter. It's, it's completely irrelevant. My, my views on it. So that's where you have to start saying, okay, well, what's, what's a system that can support a lot of people at scale that have, and will have variants in terms of their, their palette, right? Like what they like. Keurig works. Now it's okay. Well, what, what pucks do we get? Or is everybody cool going like the custom fill route? Like I did that in my, you know, I worked at a startup um, a few years ago and that's basically what I did. I brought in my own coffee and then just like filled that puck <laughs> and I just had to clean it out. Right. So not the end of the world. I think a lot of people are willing to do that. Um, I think where you have to get to is 
you have to find a vendor that can support the the wide range of your people. Because what you don't want to do is have like 10 different vendors because everybody's got different views. And like this vendor only likes this kind of stuff. And that one's only that kind of stuff. It's like, geez, man. Although I would argue, I will, I will argue a bit to the counter, not, not too much, but if in every environment I've ever worked in, now granted, I'm probably not typical. So I'm going to, you know, I'll slap that asterisk on there. Nice, big, fatty asterisk. But in every environment I've ever worked in where coffee was free and quote unlimited as much as there was beans available to grind, you know, there were only a couple of choices. And if I wanted, if I wanted coffee, if, you know, I have a free option in front of me, I'm way less likely to be as choosy about like picky. Yeah. Because I'm not paying for it. You know, like I could go to the coffee place down the street and pay money, but that requires me going down to the coffee store down the street to the coffee place and paying money, or I could just take what I have here and be happy with it. You know, I think I would, I would bet dollars to coffee flavored donuts that when faced and this is kind of like the Costco effect, right? When, when faced with limited choice, but it's of incredibly good value, you don't even really think about the alternatives. You just, you just choose from what's in front of you. Right. So that's why people buy 700 count Advil bottles because, there isn't a 100 count option and well that looks like There's a really good five. price right exactly like oh wow yeah. it's nine dollars for a million tablets of advil i'll take it <laughs> you know they don't even really think about do i need that or in this case is this actually really good coffee you know because coffee is so entirely i was about to pour that into my mouth while i was talking um because yeah, I, was just, I was just watching to see how you were gonna pull that yeah, off <laughs> no, i realized it was it was it's a reflex almost for me to just grab a cup grab my cup every so often and just like hold it and most of the yeah. time i'm not talking to anybody so i can just kind of grab it and then kind of just nurse <laughs> it as i'm like reading a thing or doing a thing right but when i'm talking i have to be more consciously aware of my drinking and i hate that <laughs> title of the show consciously aware of my drinking i think because coffee is so subjective I would I would not be surprised if given more choice there's less consumption just because it's like oh man I got to sit here and stare at like the nine different choices like whether where whereas if you just had one I would bet most people would still drink it because it's free just based on that alone or even I mean maybe there's like an optimal there right like there's two to three options there's a dark roast there's a light roast and then a decaf. there's a decaf yeah yeah and that Done, in most right in in most places I've worked, again, I had worked in, in tech my whole adult life, so again, asterisk. But in one particular office, we had the, the freestanding grinding self-service single-serving machines where you put your little cup in and you push a couple of buttons and had the giant vats of beans above and it kind of just ground to order. We only had two caffeinated flavors in a decaf. And that was it. Oh, really? Okay. Right? Like that makes you, sense. Okay. If, if, if you want our free coffee, you get to pick one of these free these three things and believe me people as, drink as much as you hate <laughs> as much as you hate creamer that's if someone's like i really like vanilla it's like cool we'll get the light one and put vanilla in it yeah. you got vanilla right right <laughs> so, exactly so that is an option yeah um that makes sense in terms of the ordering though i think i would rather have it be pull versus push right like i really don't think i would want it like automatically shipped unless you could do it reactively in the sense of like you know how much we have left right because I've never liked time, like a pure time trigger for automation. It rarely works well unless there's no variation, right? If there's no variation in terms of volume, what have you, whatever the metric may be, sure, that's fine. 
but there can be, right? And so you don't want to be like, crap, now we have like a huge amount of you know, coffee being stored here. Now we got to go and be like, Hey, can you stop sending us coffee for like three months? And you don't really want that either. Cause you're like, crap, like what's going on. Right. Instead, I would rather just as an operations guy, know what we have on the rack. Let's say we always want to keep one bag of each flavor on the rack. The moment I pull that bag, I go online and I place an order. So, and then, you know, within a week that bag gets replaced, we're good. Nothing changed. Right. I would rather have that, but yeah, I, w- I would agree with the the sentiment of like, I mean, it's an order, like email, like, no, 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 no. Let me jump on real quick, place my order, save my stuff. Let me, like that should take me less than a minute to replace a restock order. And, and that was, I think that part of this whole process was the most surprising to me just because like, I just started a business that is like entirely self-service. Like I'm working on an entirely self-service, like build your own subscription box type of flow right now where you, you give me a bunch of op, you, you click a bunch of boxes and I build you a thing that's ideally going to last you exactly as long as it needs to, you know, provided we've all done the math correctly. Like this, the entire concept here is self-service. And I, I, I can see how the weariness of end up ending up having more than you need is, is a real thing. And like initially in my head, I'm thinking, okay, let's maybe take the first month or two to kind of get an idea of the pattern first. Before we before we jump into that, like okay, once once everyone has started consuming this, and like you see, like on an average day, you're going through maybe a pound or two pounds, right? Now we can, you know, let's see how how often two pounds per day ends up happening, right? And it's like okay, well that's like you know nine out of ten days is two pounds per day. All right, so let's just say it's two pounds per day because in that tenth day can be your little pad, right? And so then you start calculating out, okay, now that's you know there's twenty what, 20 to 22 working days in a month. Okay, now that's, you know, 40 to 45 pounds. Okay, let's, you know, let's just start with 45 and see what happens, right? Let's, let's make the, the next order 45 just automatically. We'll see, see what happens. And if we can validate that 45 pounds is enough on the second month, let's make things more lucrative, right? And that's where I, I appreciate the, my, my foresight pat on the, pat on the head here. Of, of subscriptions having a discount is that, okay, we've been able to prove that 45 pounds a month is a pretty sustainable level. Let's make this recurring and I'll just take some money off just for fun, you know, and like literally nothing changes there. So I, I can see how I, I, I can understand the weariness. I, I definitely get it. Like if I was on the other side, I would probably be thinking the same thing, right? Especially if I didn't know for sure how long this is going to last. And if I'm going to end up paying for more than my actually need, but as as somebody who likes patterns, if I saw a pattern form there, I would want to try and make that go away as a thing I have to think about again in the future. So, oh, hundred percent. If I had the data to back it up, then I would probably change my mind in a heartbeat and say, okay, well then we'll we'll, we'll commit to ordering this every month. Then forty five pounds done. Thank you. Yeah. Well, I think it. You're going to have two use cases, right? So I think you, I don't think it's binary. I think you should have both, right? I should be able to go on self serve, but I should also be able to do recurring because the problem is you're going to have a law firm. They're not going to grow in terms of like headcount that hard, right? So they're like, yeah, 45, done, easy, put that on recurring. We're, we're good here. But look at us. We're going from three to uh, five employees in the next like few months. That's a big increase, you know, in terms of, of, of a percentage. I don't know how many how many cups the average person is going to drink. Like if we had if we have a large sample size, sure, we could do that math and say, okay, we're going to add an extra three people. Done. But 
how much I drink versus the the two new people might be vastly different. And so it actually could skew the average pretty hard, but I'm not going to know that until I have a sample size of, of a period of time to understand that. So I would rather say, okay, let's be reactive now, but let's say we get to like 20 employees and we're like, Hey, we're, we're good here. Like we're, we're not going to grow, you know, headcount for another year. Okay. Recurring. The moment we go back into growth mode, now I'm going to take it off recurring and go back to reactive or I do recurring for a percentage. Imagine that, right? So I say, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to do recurring for 50% of our volume or 75% of our, our consumption volume, but the rest of it, I actually want to manage myself. Maybe it's not a hundred percent either which way. And yeah, and I, that's, and that makes a lot of sense. And I think, um, again, patting myself on the on the head here a little bit. Um, you know, part of the the existing subscription flow allows you to change your quantity and interval on your own. Nice. So you don't even have to okay, like good. you don't you wouldn't in this th- scenario you you Dylan would not have to email me and say hey I need to change this can you change this for me please and then end up with a salesperson like well you know you really should like you can just go do it right <laughs> you don't have to ask permission yeah. and I think finding a way to to mix all of that together in a, in a way that can make sense for the most people to me seems like the the best option but like you said, it shouldn't be the only option. You're forcing a workflow. And th- if there's one thing I've learned about software that could be applied in this situation, never force a workflow. Do not <laughs> assume what the workflow is yeah. because everybody will prove you wrong. Yeah. And <laughs> and if if somebody in this, you know, in this scenario, if you wanted to just buy it yourself every month and pay full price, yeah. I'm not gonna say no because that's more money in my pocket, right? Like I I can appreciate the recurring revenue, the predictability of that, right? We all we all love that. But if you're just not at that place yet, like I'm not going to turn you away, you know, especially if we're talking bulk buys here, like, you know, we're it's it, it, it's, you know, there are only a, probably a few people listening to the show who have ever bought more than $100 in coffee at once, you know, <laughs> like for for people in this scenario, like this is just normal for them. Right. So it's, you know, I'm not going to turn away a $200 order because you didn't want to commit and subscribe and pay you know, $175 instead or something. You know what I mean? Like, fine, go for it, you know? Well, and listen, businesses, like we're, we're doing this right now where, you know, you go through your, your, your quarterly P&L and you go, what are we paying for monthly that we could be paying annually and getting a 20% discount? If we've been using it for a year, we're probably going to at least use it for another year. Okay, let's go ahead and move it to annual and get a 20% discount, right? If we have the cash reserves to, to do it and it's not going to hurt us, why, why not, right? So, so sometimes it does make sense to go month to month because you're trying it, right? You can't just default to a subscription. You're like, I don't even know if I like it, dude. <laughs> but the moment you're like, cool, I've been buying this coffee for three months. I love it. I want to continue on with this for the, per- the foreseeable future. I'm just going to make it recurring now. So I, now I don't have to think about repurchasing it, right? So I think it's more of a what phase is the consumer or the business buyer in at the moment, and I feel like most are going to go through that same sequence of not sure. Let's try it. Let's go month to month. Now we like it. Cool. Let's go recurring. Yeah. And that's, that's, you know, the, the, the end consumer is quite similar in that regard. And that's ultimately how I am wanting to structure all of this. And that is that, you know, the first, the first one, the first one, it's, the first one's not free, right? You're paying for it, but the first one is it, it, it's free and that it's low friction, right? You could just buy it. You're not going to be a ton of harassment, but once a bit of time has passed, we're going to start planting that bug in your ear. Like, hey, if you like this, here's how you can 
save money on it forever. And like I'm saying, like when I when I when I say it, I say here's how you can save money on it forever. Because when you subscribe, the price never changes, even if I change the price. Like as long as you're in it, you will never pay a different price. Right? Like that's that's almost it's not really it's not really a dark pattern but it's it's almost in that it's like it's 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 saying you know your price will be the same forever like it's a really long sentence kind of packed into a small one word right um it, it for a lot of consumers with consumable items like that's not uncommon right like you have like you know hot sauce of the month club and coffee of the month club and blank of the month club right where you like you're you're committing to getting this thing every month, low effort, don't have to think about it, price is good. For something you've never tried before, you kind of want to give it a shot first. But every every coffee drinker I've spoken to who would order coffee on a regular basis, no one has told me they would prefer to pay full price every month forever, right? If there was an option where they can pay less and that was a coffee they're going to stick with, then they would absolutely go for it. Now, there's there's a subset of individuals who like to mix it up and whatnot, and they may not quite apply in this scenario, but for those who drink the same thing every day and they like it, and they're going to keep ordering it, right? they don't see the logic in paying a full price when there's a cheaper option, especially if there's low to no friction in changing or canceling if you have to. And for businesses, based on the few that I've spoken to about this type of arrangement, that's not even something that's on their radar. Like it's the the purchasing is the hard part because they're not they're not interested in changing their coffee every six months. Like once they're once they're in, the employees don't hate it. They want to forget about then it. Nothing yeah. changes, right? <laughs> There's other stuff Unless, to worry about. Yeah, exactly. So it's it, it's interesting how things are so much the same yet so different. Yeah, like the mindset is like the business mindset cares about the front end of that experience. And the consumer is more interested in about the back end of that experience. You know, it's 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 really interesting to see. And the the business I call it the business problem in this in this scenario is it's even more interesting in that it gives me opportunities to kind of create more unique selling propositions. Right? Like if I'm I'm thinking to myself like, okay, I know what it would cost me to bag up five pounds of a coffee, but if I'm doing five pounds at a time, can I go to my roaster and say, "Hey, let's work on the price a little bit here"? And I, you know, now I can, I have additional leverage here because if I'm if I'm you know telling my roaster, "Hey, I have a new client coming on, they're going to be ordering fifty pounds at a time once a month." Like, let's work out a price where that fifty pounds is now like eighty percent of fifty-one pound units. You know what I mean? Like, and then I can take that and either relay that savings to the customer or just kind of put it in my pocket, right? Like I have, I have a lot of room to work here and this is why business to business sales is so lucrative, right? Because there's just, there's just margin everywhere, right? It's you're just drowning <laughs> yeah. in it practically. And it's, yeah, for sure. It's an interesting problem to have and an interesting problem to solve. And I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to be curious how, how that pans out in the long term. I think this year might not be a great year for, office coffee buying <laughs> for obvious reasons, you know, uh, some like 40% of people are still working from home. Right. But that's a great uh, opportunity though. If you, if you can get it to where, if you could build a system to where companies can still offer free coffee, but the caveat is it gets shipped to their employees' homes. 
Mm-hmm. Now that's a bit more complex, granted, mm-hmm. but I yeah. think there, there's room for that in, in the and market that was, right now. That was something that came up in the conversation with this individual too. Is that you know they, you know they were thinking you know how how can we still get our employees some free coffee on us in a way that makes sense for the business, not paying through the nose for it, makes sense for me, you know the the retailer. Like it has to be worth my time and effort. Now, granted. Because as, you know, as Stephen Pope kept joking on that one episode of this fine quality program, you know, because, because it's all passive income, I can sit, <laughs> on my, sit in my Lambo and make money. Because the effort for me, if somebody, if a business came to me, like let's say you had 100 employees, right? Mm-hmm. And you're like, everyone's working from home and, you know, we want to get everyone a free bag of coffee on the house. How do we do that, right? So I work through that in my head and I'm thinking, okay, 100 bags. I got to make this worth their effort, right? So doing the sure. math, all right, well, it's over $49, so they get free shipping, right? So I'm not going to do any kind of, like, that's that's just the advertised thing, right? I'm not going to try and make you pay for shipping here because it's, you know, you're spending more than $49, I'm going to honor that. So how do I ship out 100 bags and absorb the the, the shipping cost with still having margin yeah. and things like that? And like, and I, I, I ran the numbers, and roughly 30 is where I would feel comfortable in like having the minimum to where okay. I still have enough margin to make it worth my time. Okay. The roaster's getting paid all the same anyways because it's per bag, so they really don't care as long as they have a heads up that I have 100 bags coming down the line all at once here. All it is is just me trying to, you know, okay, it's definitely not going to be the 60% margin that I was having before, but if someone's going to buy 100 of them, I'm okay with 15%. Well, the LTV of a business buyer is going to be way higher in the long run. So, yeah, lower margins, but like you can still build a solid business on top of that. You know, 15, you know, 15% of $15, yeah, you know, it's it's not a lot, but multiply that by 100 and most of the work that I would have to do would be the same whether it's 30, 100, 1000, right. 16, right. right? The effort is going to be the same. So, the more they buy, it doesn't change. It doesn't make more work for me. It just makes the spreadsheet longer. When I go to bulk buy the shipping labels, like that's, you know, like in my head, like, yeah, it's 15% isn't a lot, but what is what? 14.99 times 0.15 times a hundred. That's $225, right? Like it's, it's not going to take $225 of my time to take a spreadsheet in and print some labels <laughs> right. and, and right, times that by 12. Cause that's per month, right? Theoretically. Theoretically. Yeah. Even if it's just a one-time thing. In a previous episode, you know, I had mentioned how that first bag getting in front of the customer, like that's just like the marketing exercise part of all this, right? This is that to the extreme because now I've I have an exponential number of mouths that I'm in front of that I didn't have to market to. But then I can toss in maybe into the box a little card that's 20% off your next order. Just because your employer loves you enough to send you one of these on the house, right? They didn't have to pay for the coffee. But they might want to continue. They get a special discount to continue, right? I didn't have to actually do anything. Like, I made money marketing to those people. All I had to pay for was that little piece of paper to shove in the box, right? And once that occurred to me, I'm thinking, holy shit, this is genius. Let's scale it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like this, that I'm surprised out of all of the competitor research I've done, I am very surprised no one has advertised that. 
at all. I think it's because a lot of people are trying to make that the business model, but you're not. So when that's the cool thing, right? It's like when there's a channel that you're like, that's not my play. You now get to play differently in that channel because those people are like, we need to make money off this at scale. And you're like, uh, if I break even, I don't care because it's straight marketing for me. And so you get to come in and be like, hey, I can do it for X price and nobody can beat you. And people are like, how are you making money? You're like, oh, I'm not making money on that. That's just my acquisition <laughs> channel. Right. You know, because I'm like, I'm thinking like, all right, you know, if I'm regular retail, you know, I'm spending four, eight, ten dollars per person to acquire them. Half of that's being spent on the shipping because I'm eating the cost. But then I still have that other half at my disposal. Shoot, if, you know, if a company came to me and said, you know, hey, I'd like to buy a hundred of these things for my employees, I'd be like, all right, I'll basically sell it to them at cost almost. You know what I mean? Like, because that's even if 10% of those people converted, like, you telling me a 10% conversion rate is not good. I'm going to tell you, you've been living in a hole this whole time. You know, like, this is. This is really just an elaborate branding marketing exercise, if nothing else. Like that's once once it occurred to me that that's what this is, I don't I don't really care what the margins are. As long as I'm not losing money, it ultimately doesn't matter because I had it in my head from the start that that first bag is the marketing bag practically. Well, and here's what's cool. If you so you, let's say you test this with like 10 companies, right? You get the actual like conversion rate. Now you get to reverse engineer the size of the company you want to have, right? So he goes, cool. If it's 10%, um, I want to be doing X in revenue. Therefore I need to go reach out to Y company or Y people that might be distributed, you know, cause it's probably gonna be based on, you know, the number of employees, not the number of company. So, you know, whatever that ratio is going to be for like the company is going to change, but like the number of people you go, cool. Well, that person, that company has a hundred employees. That one has 50. I need 200. So I need to go get a third company that has at least 50. And now great. We're hitting our, our goals here. I'd like to think that's some genius idea that I thought of that no one's literally <laughs> ever thought of, but obviously, you know, gift buying for your employees is not a new thing. Right. In every scenario where I was even remotely involved in gift buying for employees, it was just somebody with a purchase card or an Amex or something that you punch in on the internet just went and bought like 30 of a thing. And then it came to the office and then they spent the effort to distribute it out. And I'm like, that sounds hard. Like, I feel <laughs> like just saying, I'll take care of the hard stuff for you. If you just send me a spreadsheet of names and addresses. Right. Or heck, literally well, never have to think even, about this again. You can literally just set up like a Google form or type form. Just be like, send this to all your employees and it's going to have the option of which one they want and their name and address. And then it just literally dumps that, sh that, that data to a sheet that you have. You go, cool. We're going to ship or we're going to, you know, close it out on the 20th. Great. They got five days to do it. And then just whatever's there is what gets what what is getting processed, and then you can go back to your employer or not the employer. Um, you go to the employer, should I say, and say, "Cool, there was you know a hundred orders. Here's here's the cost." So you could even make it easier for them if you wanted to <laughs> send this link. <laughs> I was mildly weary about the the whole invoice thing because companies like to take as long as possible to pay an invoice, and I know I would have to front the cost on. Yeah, you have to float it. hundred bags because my roaster's not going to give me thirty days to pay. It's going to sure. give me. He's gonna. He's gonna bill me at the end of the week. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, and he has my card on file already. So I don't get. A, I don't really get a say. You know. So well, just tell me you don't do net thirty on it. Yeah, I mean it's. It, it won't ship until you pay, but you can pay whenever, and it'll ship, and that's that. 
Yeah, why not, right? You go, hey, we're going to close out the orders on the 20th. Um, that's when payments do the moment payment is received, then we are shipping. If it takes you a month to do that, then they're going to take a month to ship. Just be like, we don't do net 30. <laughs> Sorry. Because the, <laughs> you know, because the effort is so minimal here. Like I don't, you know, yeah. the, if it takes, if it takes the employer six weeks to figure it out, that's fine. I'm here. I'm ready when you're waiting, you know, again, yeah. you're like, I just got to fire off that spreadsheet, man. <laughs> like I can literally bulk import addresses and print a giant batch of labels at once. Like it's, it's right. like three clicks and like five minutes of my time. Exactly. I'm here when you're ready. You know, what was, what's the, what was the business that uh, the slogan was, we're here when you need us. I don't know. I keep thinking that I want to hang on. Uh, somebody is listening and is like, ah, screaming at us. They know what it is. We're <laughs> here when you need us. Oh, autocomplete. Thank you. Ah, uh, what is it? Great. Uh, come on, internet. Why is there so much low quality garbage stuff? <laughs> Because it's the internet. Uh, there's a tip of my tongue subreddit that has this post, and they don't. There were no comments. Why isn't it opening? What the biscuits? Sorry, family show. I, I saw you mouth three different words before you got the <laughs> biscuits and settled on the fact that biscuits was the one that you're going to go with. Uh, what was it? God dang it! This is going to drive me nuts. Not knowing, I'll put it in the next show. Here when you need us, like what? That's that has to be a thing, right? Like I'm not just making this up, right? Like you, you've never heard that? Was it an HVAC company? It might have been a local. Oh, it might have been I'm a local idea. advertising. Yeah. I'm These are all listicles on Google, so. This is so terrible. I'm seeing a couple <laughs> who like say that in their marketing, but it's not quite. It's not the their one slogan. I suspect it was just a local ad. Oh, okay. Local ads are the worst. God, I hate I hate local television so much. It's so bad. Do you watch it? I mean, you shouldn't. <laughs> yeah, that's our first problem. We do. Yeah, we do I mean, watch the local news every every now and then, but really, it's, uh, I don't even have cable. So I just don't see the point. I have we have cable. I did the math on this. Hello, cord cutters. This is for you. I did the math on this. And it was cheaper to have it. It's cheaper to have cable okay. and access all of the streaming apps for all of the different providers through right. that than it is to cut the cable, pay more for internet. Remember, because there's a bundle discount here. Sure. Add in all of the streaming services that would now have to fill in all of those holes. Right. And then add back in like premium stuff like the HBO, et cetera. Okay. Like just having cable and internet and the basics like Netflix. Right. Is a lot cheaper and gets us more content than okay. if we paid that same price for internet only and streaming services. Okay. That's fair. I, I only have one streaming service. I just use Netflix. Um, and then I just, I hijack other people's like Hulu's and whatnot. Cause that's what millennials do. <laughs> we, we watch a lot of sports and that's, that's where okay. it gets really tricky because yeah. in order to watch live sports, you have to do things like Hulu TV or YouTube TV or, right. you know, if it's like baseball specifically, you have MLB, mm-hmm. MLB, MLB TV or sure. I, I can use words. Uh, I've been awake for an hour and a half. I should be able to speak, you know, like all of that adds up and right. Comcast has done the math. Those, those yeah, because they make money on the ads. Right. So They're not making money of, on the service. There's a lot of TV we pay for that we don't watch. But the alternative is more expensive. And I would much rather have stuff I don't watch and pay less money than pay more for just exactly what I'm watching. Just That's because fair. there's less friction to switch between things, too, especially. You know, okay. when you have a, a DVR 
And there are a lot of things like especially live sports or regularly occurring shows. <sighs> the the streaming apps and their varying levels of quality and support yeah. for like Apple TV's up next feature, cough Netflix, go pound sand. It's it seems like it would just work, right? But it oftentimes doesn't. And I would rather just go fire up the DVR and then go find the entry in there and just pick the next episode because it's it's going to be the same interface for all of them. And it's probably going to work more often than whatever some random garbage app on the Apple TV is going to be. So that's <laughs> it's it's a cost. I did a cost benefit analysis, and that's the the side I came down on. Now, granted, okay. I do get the Hulu for free, and I do get the ESPN for free, and the Disney Plus for free through Verizon, nice. which is neat. You know, if there is a way to save money on stuff, then I will because there are there are some things like on Hulu and Netflix, et cetera, CBS All Access, et cetera that I can't get on cable, and so then I'll pay for that stuff. And if I can find a way to get that for cheaper and or free, absolutely. I'll, I'll cut things up as necessary. But for the majority of our content, cable's just good enough. You know? And I think <laughs> if we didn't watch sports, then I would probably feel differently. Right. Just because sports is such a huge cost factor in the cord cutting. So take us out with something fun. Oh, God, you always do that. I have nothing. I'm not, I'm not prepared. Come on. Come on, you can do it. I can't. I have nothing. I'm literally drawing a blank. <laughs> <sighs> nothing, Witty. You got nothing no, for us. I got nothing for you today. I'm so sorry. Usually usually I got something for you, but I got I got nothing. You're 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 useless, Dylan. I know. I'm here for moral support. Senior supplement does all this and more. And it's yours for a price that won't break your budget. Bear that in mind. I'm proud to say that I've been a paid spokesman for Physicians Mutual for over 20 years now, and I bought a policy, and I'll tell you this, I'm mighty glad I did. So look, do yourself a favor. Call this toll-free number to get your free information kit with all the details on Senior Supplement. There's no cost or obligation of any kind. You're just calling for information. So don't get caught without up-to-date protection. Call right now. I'm going to tell you this, you're going to be mighty glad that you did. Okay? Okay. We're here when you need us. Physicians Mutual.